It's Tuesday, June 23rd, episode 27 of the Sports Wagon Podcast begins now. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Hope everything is great and golden in your world right now. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Follow me on Twitter at It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, my, how the world has changed over the last few weeks um, in so many dramatic ways. Um, you know, we still don't have sports, but we're seeing how sports does have this interesting intersection with life that we typically use sport as a way for us to kind of, you know, get out of our regular routine. We use sport as a way to kind of, you know, relax and, you know, go into another zone, but we really cannot separate the two things from each other that sport and life are very intertwined and i've said on this podcast a number of times that sometimes we have to step away from sport to deal with life so i think everything's happening with coronavirus is a great example of that how you know we've just stopped everything everything has stopped um we're still trying to get things back on track um some sport leagues in other countries have gone forward um, so baseball is back on again in South Korea. Um, soccer is back on in Germany. Um, other sports leagues are um, beginning to begin to ramp up to start playing again. And then they're trying to you know, deal with the world. And I don't say post Corona, we are still in the middle of this thing. And in the United States, if you're paying attention, um, you know, many, no, many states, the vast majority of states have essentially returned back to um, getting people back into work and back into their regular routine. But there's nothing regular about this, that people are going about their day as if this virus has just taken a day off. This virus is not taking a day off. And I fear that our haste to try to begin to get back to, quote, normal is going to have us in a position to where we're going to be vulnerable. Um, you know, with everything happening with, um, the murders, because again, you know, what happened to George Floyd, what happened to Rihanna Taylor, what happened to Ahmaud Avery was murder and the protests and the things are happening again in regular life outside of the thing that we call sport. It's bringing people together. It's bringing people together in a good way. But at the same time, it's bringing people together in ways that are a little scary because, again, people are protesting. They're socially distancing as much as possible. They are using face masks, and that's good. But the counter protests, the people who are very, you know, anti Black Lives Matter, the people who are just anti protest if it goes against what I believe, those are the people I worry about the most because. The issue here is that these are the people who not but a few weeks before all of these things happen. These are the people who are protesting the fact that they couldn't leave their house, that they felt like if I'm being quarantined, then you're taking away my rights and my freedom. These are the people I worry about because the 4th of July is coming up and these are the people who will take full advantage of 
going to their neighbors or going to their friends or going to their families and they'll have these big get togethers and they'll go look at fireworks and do all the things that are um, associated with the 4th of July. But once that happens, as if we are, aren't already seeing it in places like Arizona and Florida and Georgia and Alabama, the, the coronavirus numbers are going back up. And I, and I suspect that in places like the South, the Southwest, the Midwest, these numbers are going to go up and we're going to see new cases, more new cases. And I think by August, we're going to probably be back in the same situation because a lot of places are trying to go back to school. Some places have decided, you know, we're going to keep on doing uh, online, online education for kids and college students. And other places have said, well, you know, we're going to maybe try to hold off and try to make a decision as things go. But, you know, I just really believe that, you know, because of the way things are going, that we're going to have some serious issues. And those issues are going to be related in direct relation to coronavirus. And those things will probably push us back as far as getting sports back on track. So um, in the, within the last 24 hours, baseball is trying to implement a 60 game season. That situation to me is extremely complicated because initially it was about money from what I understood. Now there's the money, there's the, you know, some certain monies that these guys will forfeit if they make it to the playoffs because they've already gotten an advance on their salaries. And, um, and then of course there's the safety protocol. So again, there's a lot of things that still need to be hammered out, but Rob Manfred, uh, MLB commissioner looks like he's trying to get this going. So these guys can start playing baseball sometime next month up some uh, up until sometime in September. So that's when they're saying they're going to cut things off. So how much in jeopardy is the baseball season? How much, I mean, the college football season is in jeopardy on several teams, I believe. Clemson is one. Um, there's some other teams I forget, but there are several teams that players have um, become positive. Play, players are positive for COVID. Um, and, and, and even before that, I've talked about in this podcast how, you know, Mike Gundy um, from Oklahoma State, he, you know, said, you know, in a press conference a few months ago that he was going to come back to work in May and all these plans that he had. And um, he had to kind of back down from that because, of course, as I said, he has to answer somebody. Um, but, you know, he's in a different sort of hot water, um, you know, for, you know, calling out, being called out by his players for wearing the OAN shirt and then having to make a video, which is, you know, if you saw the video, it was a very strange video. How uh, it was a Chuba Hubbard. Um, essentially apologize for not going to him as a man. I'm going, wait a minute. I, I, I get what you're saying, but you did call him out. In other words, you don't necessarily have to go to somebody as a man to call him out. You can call him out and then you can hammer it out from there. Don't apologize for calling him out because, you know, he wore a shirt of a new site. And I say that loosely that essentially is making the issues with coronavirus much worse, that they thrive on providing, I'm gonna say providing, they thrive on producing essentially um, untruths about what's happening with this virus. Um, you know, I saw a tweet the other day where some woman somewhere is running for Congress and she said something to the effect of, well, if you wear a mask that causes 
fungal infections and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, are you nuts? I mean, and you tweeted that. I mean, again, it's those kinds of things that, you know, kind of circling this background to Mike Gundy, you know, if he um, is wearing a shirt and obviously he supports the network in some way. So imagine the types of things that they say on that network about Black Lives Matter. And when he was called out, he kind of had to, you know, say, well, hey, I, I guess I learned something. And I'm going, what, what, what are you talking about? You guess you learned something. You're the head coach of this football team. You coach young men. The vast majority of the men on the team are young black men. So you mean to tell me in your, when did I'm a man, I'm 40 happen. It's been about 10 years or so. So he's got to be in his fifties by now. So you mean to tell me you're at this point in your life and you really haven't put two and two together that, you know, even in the year 2020, that black men of all ages, I mean, we know what we're faced now, what we're faced with now, but over the 40 and 50 years of his life, I mean, hell, I'm 47. And in the 47 years I've been alive, there have been things happening. Nothing has changed, but, but so, but for so much, but you didn't mean to tell me that you wore this shirt and you feel all of a sudden that your, that your player called you out. You have to kind of lay the line to him that, oh, well, you know, you should have come to me as a man. No, 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 no. He called you out. He called you out and he did the right thing. But then there's this, so now we have to have changes here in our in our in our in our uh, our locker room in our program. What are you talking about? It's like the changes should have already come. In other words, if you're around these young men, you should have some. I mean, some. I mean, I'm not saying okay. I'm going to say it, and you're going to say, well, he doesn't. I mean, obviously, but it's just like, what rock do you live under that? You know, you listen to this news. I mean, in, in, in that press conference I referenced a moment ago, when he talked about COVID, he called it the Chinese virus. What? So we're expecting all this change from a guy who watches a news service that refers to COVID as the Chinese virus. We're really expecting some changes in Stillwater. Are we really expecting that? Well, good luck on that. Um. Now, on the opposite side of that spectrum, kind of staying in the same general region of the country, um, Tom Herman, the University of Texas head football coach, um, had a very provocative interview with uh, it was on CNN, had a very provocative interview. And in this interview, he said that, you know, essentially he felt that it was important that fans did things the right way. In other words, fans should not think about um Fans should not think about playing players, rather. They shouldn't think about players in a way that is. Sorry about that. So they should not think about players in such a way that is different off the field and on the field, if you understand what I'm saying. So what he said was, and I'm trying to just kind of encapsulate his words, but he goes, you come to the stadium, you root for them, you high five your buddies, they make a great play. But in the real world, would you let them date your daughter? Would you give them a job? Would you acknowledge them outside of football? And he basically said that, you know, essentially the same love you give them on the field, you need to give them that same love off the field. And he was absolutely right.
The other person who was of a surprise was Lincoln Riley. So Lincoln Riley, without any hesitation, um, just tweeted out Black Lives Matter. And again, those were probably two of the strongest statements I heard. There were a lot of reactions to um, uh, the, 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 the murder of George Floyd and the, and the, and the protests and everything that came from it. And those are the two strongest statements that I saw. There were plenty of non-statements. There were plenty of missteps. I mean, we, you know, there, there was some documentation about some issues at Clemson and, you know, I'm not going to get into all that because there's been so much back and forth with that, that, you know, um, there are a, a lot of players who currently are in the program who are, um, you know, leading, um, who led um, protests, you know, peaceful protests on campus. And, you know, they did a march and, and a lot of that was led by Trevor Lawrence, which, you know, again, you know, kudos and props to him. Um, and, you know, even he said himself that there are still things that he had to learn. And that is good from a young man to acknowledge that. And I'm very um, my, my heart feels good to hear that from from him because he is the leader of that team. But, you know, there's so much conflicting information that, you know, I don't want to say a whole lot about that. I mean, you know, if you follow college football, you kind of understand, you know, even college sports in general, you kind of understand you know, the, 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 the conflicts that happen, you know, when you have these coaches and they have a certain um, obligation to not just the donors, because the donors could feel a certain way. You probably have plenty of donors who think that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization or whatever ridiculous think, thoughts that they have. And even the fan bases and then places like, you know, unfortunately, the Deep South, the fan bases are they love football. They're rabid about football, but they can potentially have thoughts about the players off the field that are disturbing and troubling. So from that came a big um, kind of social media question where um, people talked about, you know, maybe, you know, some of these young black men should start going to HBCUs. And I, I was basically like, I thought that was a fantastic idea. There's such a great history of, football and especially basketball players who have attended HBCUs in the past. And this could be a renaissance. We don't know. I mean, we've already seen, uh, I forget the young man's name, but he's a four-star prospect. He's on his way to Norfolk State. So shout out to uh, Norfolk State basketball. So Norfolk State, I'm from, I'm a Norfolk guy. So shout out to Norfolk State. So again, they're, you know, going to start, you know, a new season. We hope a season that we'll have and they'll have the season, building around this young man and hopefully he will have uh, a very successful career. But I've always been of the mindset that it doesn't matter where you go. If you're good, people will find you, especially if you're trying to play at the next level. I mean, folks, you know, these kids always, I want to go to Duke. I want to go to North Carolina. I want to go to, you know, UCLA. They want they name all the big schools, Kansas and, and then so, so on and so forth. But, you know, there have been so many great players in in so many sports and football and basketball that they didn't go to the big school. They went to a school where they felt comfortable. They got an education and they played their hearts out and they made it to the next level. So there are plenty of stories like that. So it's not always about where you go. It's about, you know, going somewhere, you know, being the best student you can be, because remember, if you're a student athlete, you're a student first, then you're an athlete. But doing those things and then just playing your butt off on the field, doing everything that you would normally do, but you're doing it for, you know, 
blah, blah, blah state or blah, blah, blah university, which, you know, probably isn't on anyone's map. But if you're good, they will find you. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years as these young men leave, um, as these young men leave high school and they start to consider their options. Many will go into the NBA and that's just fine. You know, that seems to be the trend, but there's going to be a number of them who will more than likely uh, possibly investigate and find their way into HBCU. And I think um, that is just extremely encouraging um, for their prosperity. And again, starting a new wave of great players to enter through their doors. Um, I think I've mentioned this um, documentary before. It's called Black Magic. So it was a ESPN production. I think it was a Dan, Dan Clores film. And I watch that film every year. And it talks about the history of HBCUs and the great players who have emerged from those schools. So, you know, like um, Pee Wee Kirkland in Norfolk State, um, or Earl the Pearl at uh, Winston-Salem State, uh, and of course, you know, like uh, the legendary John Chaney, you know, he went to Bethune-Cookman. So again, um, if, if you um, have uh, uh, Apple, um, you can download it there. I mean, I bought it. I mean, I saw it initially when it came on ESPN a number of years ago. And it, it's such a great documentary because you learn so much, not necessarily about the history of basketball players, HBCUs, but you learn about the why they went and the why they went because they weren't getting the opportunities at predominantly white institutions, not initially, but once these coaches at these predominantly white institutions saw the style of basketball that was played, the type of athlete that these guys were, and they were, and they were, and they were good students as well. Um, then the recruiting started because they didn't want to get left in the dust, but we saw other ways by which uh, predominantly white institutions were essentially kind of stealing from uh, these institutions. So, you know, the style of play. So then all of a sudden they go from, you know, playing a control tempo to an up tempo type of game. And then all of a sudden, you know, the coaches who coached these institutions were seen as geniuses while these players and coaches at HBCUs have been playing that way for years. So, um, you know, it, it 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 reflects our experience as black people in, in another way that, you know, when we're creating and innovating in the way that we do, you know, there's somebody who's always going to out there try to take advantage of it, steal it, tweak it for their own or try to take credit for it. And, you know, it, it's, you know, when when the day comes when that won't be the issue will be such a wonderful day for all of us. Um, so one last thing. Um, so I'm, so you have to excuse me. I'm, I'm, this has actually been a pretty good episode for me because I'm actually going off the top of my head and this is amazing because I usually have a script in front of me and, and because it's been so long and there's been so many things happening, I kind of just want to encapsulate a number of things that are, are that are going on, um, you know, uh, and kind of tying everything together, you know, kind of, you know, with, you know, coronavirus and with all the, uh, the issues with, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and, and it's just so much. And then, you know, us trying to restart sports, you know, just seems at least right now, this seems to be minor. I mean, there are some people who want the escape and I wouldn't mind having an escape. But uh, because, you know, after a while, you know, the seeing all the protests and all the after effects of the protests, it gets tiring. And, you know, sometimes you got to, 
you know, turn off the social media. You got to turn off the TV. I mean, I stopped watching the news years ago, so I don't watch a lot of news. But, you know, social media, I tend to spend a lot of time there. And that's kind of where I get my news and my information, you know, and I try to, you know, cull it in a very careful fashion. But um, with that, um, I want to, you know, just, you know, advise you, you know, if you're listening, you know, just, you know, take care of yourself, take care of yourself mentally. You know, uh, we'll have things like sports to be back soon, hopefully, and hopefully we can carry them out without creating more issues with coronavirus. But again, we'll see, because I think, like I said, I think August is going to be a problem for us. But if we're able to get over the hump and maybe keep the numbers low, the next point in which you have to worry about will be the fall into the, into the, into the winter. But, you know, take some time for yourself to kind of find new diversions and, you know, don't, you know, unplug yourself because, you know, social media can be draining as well. But, um, you know, having sports back would be great, but there's so many issues with that and getting it back that those issues seem very minor in the grand scheme of things, considering where we are um, in our society. And then, of course, the election. And that's all another can of worms. So there's so many rabbit holes with that, that it's just, it, 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 it can be very mind numbing. Um, so kind of along that same vein, um, the last issue, and again, it's all related. Um, so last night I learned that, uh, two, so there've been a number of student athletes, black student athletes who have put their names in the transfer portal and they're leaving Liberty university. So, um, their president, uh, Jerry Fowler Jr., um, was um, wearing a face mask. And that face mask, unfortunately, had an image of the current governor of Virginia, uh, Ralph Northam. And it had the image that essentially, you know, did considerable damage to Governor Northam's uh, standing as far as a uh, politician, as far as the, you know, the, the black-faced uh, and Klansman in, uh, uh, image that was found in his medical school yearbook. So he had a face mask made with those images on there. So I guess that was his way of kind of being compliant yet defiant. And a number of faculty, black faculty have at Liberty have expressed their displeasure. Many have left. Um, last night I learned there are two wide receivers who left the football team and they are looking for a new home. They've entered the transfer portal. There was a young lady who was a very good basketball player. Again, um, their names are escaping me right now because they said I'm, I'm running, I'm not running on a script right now, but um, they are entering the transfer portal. And, you know, when you see young people, you know, again, I'm, I'm a middle-aged guy. When you see young people who take the time to look at the world around them and they make a decision, a conscious decision based upon their conscience and how a situation makes them feel, then again, it makes me feel good because again, um, you know, you have a lot of student athletes who will probably think to themselves, well, I'm in a bad situation. Should I stay? Should I go? Many will just ignore it and, and stay. But these young folks made a decision to go where they feel welcome. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go somewhere and not potentially have another issue, but that issue was so glaring that it caused you to take pause and to say, you know, if this is how he feels about another white man, then how does he feel about me as a young black person? 
And I would imagine that is the thing that drove them to the decision that they made. And I'm and I'm proud of them. And I hope that these uh, young people, I hope that they land somewhere that will be not just hospitable to them, but a place that they can continue to um, continue their athletic career. They can t- continue it successfully. Hopefully it take them to another level. But also the most important thing, as I've said, is that they can continue their academic career with very little interruption and, you know, get that aspect of it because, you know, they're using their athletic ability to further their education. So, you know, the athletic aspect of it is the gift and they're taking that gift to give themselves, to help themselves to uh, get a gift that will give for the rest of their lives is something that will benefit them greatly. So, um, you know, shout out to them, kudos to them. And I'm hoping that they will, you know, be um, fruitful wherever they land next. All right. Well, I wanted to take a moment to (laughs) drop all that on you. So I'm hoping um, that was a um, episode that will give you something to think about. So I I appreciate you listening and uh, uh, I appreciate all the retweets and and all the interactions on, on, on Twitter. Um, so hopefully um, this will hopefully get me on a track where I can do this more often. So um, if you have the opportunity, please uh, share, like, retweet, um, you know, give me a rating. Um, um, I'm on Twitter. So at it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And until next time, which I hope will not be as long as a, a lull between the last time and now. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit me up with comments. Uh, My message line is open. If you want to send me a message here, I record with Anchor. Please do so. And I will talk to you very soon. Take care.